Welcome to the Ephesians 3 podcast. Here you can listen to the student talks given at Ephesians 3, a weekly fellowship where students at Newman Parish in Columbia, Missouri, speak on topics of faith and experience fellowship and life-giving community. Based on the passage of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, the ministry seeks to lead students deeper in the Catholic faith through community, conversation, and prayer. We hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill this room. Fill this space. Fill our hearts. Give us space to breathe. Jesus, we desire to be whole and holy. Jesus, we desire to be free. Jesus, you know all the desires that are on our hearts. You know all the things that keep us from loving you. All the things that um, that we pray prioritize over you, Jesus, you know all. Holy Spirit, we ask you come into this space. May our hearts be fertile and open to receiving what you have in source tonight. Holy Spirit, I want to just take a moment and, and cast out anything in the name of Jesus that is not meant to be here. Um, anything that I say that is not of you, Jesus, I want you to go ahead and allow that spirit to be lifted. Jesus, in your name, I want to cast out any doubts, fears, worries, anxieties that all of us may be experiencing right now as school starts up, chaos of the week. Jesus, you speak in peace, you speak in truth, you speak in love. We ask this through your name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Well, what's up, everyone? My name is Ryan. I am the resident campus minister here at Mizzou. Um, So I get to work with Angel and Gina and um, I get to lead Bible study. I get to run Ephesians 3 with our team, look over the Frasati men. Um, it's kind of a whole bunch of just like different things. I love my job. My job is awesome. Um, I graduated from Mizzou in 2021. I'm here and I'll be leaving here in May. So this is kind of like my last go around, but it's awesome. I'm excited that you're here. I talk fast, so prepare yourselves. My slides have about two words on them. And so if you want to take out your phone or something to write down some stuff, especially when we get to the practical tools, feel free. That's not going to bother me. Why are you here? I think that's a question that Brother Joseph asked us. He's like, why on a Wednesday night at 8.30, you chose to come to the Newman Center? What brings you here? Why did you want to come and listen to a guy with maybe a half-decent mustache modeled after Top Gun, may I add, talk about something that he's probably not super well-versed in, but he's going to give his best shot. Uh, Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed. Maybe life is chaotic right now. Maybe there's a lot of changes going on. Maybe you just tore your ACL. I mean, just like a lot of different things could be going on in your life. Um, Or maybe you've had this like initial encounter with with God. Um, God is love. You've had this initial encounter. And now you're like, what do I do next? Like, where do do I go now? Um, And Paul, our adult faith formation, asked me this question once. Like, like, where are you at with Jesus? And I was like, Paul, like, I kind of know where to go. Um, Like, I'm living a sacramental life. I'm going to daily prayer. Um, I'm, I'm surrounding myself with good people, but I'm like at this like weird stagnant point. I don't like know where to go next. Um, and so maybe that's some of you um, and that's what brings you here. Um, but I am, am so glad that, that you are here because I'm gonna try and tackle this question of this initial encounter with God and now how do we go deeper with it? Um, I'm gonna try my best shot, but we're gonna see how it goes. Um, 
I just want to preface, like, I don't want this talk to be about me, but I want it to be about Jesus. That's like the most important thing that if you could ever take anything away from this talk is that it needs to be about Jesus. Um, and I'm mean, talking a lot about like priorities and where things are. And um, so I just like want to put that out there. But a little story. Um, I also brought a lot of books. So just bear with me as I go through resources. But um, I would say about two years ago, I encountered the Lord in 2019. And probably about two years ago, right around COVID, I got to this point. I think I was just like, what is going on in my life? Because it feels like every single thing that I desire and like want is just like not happening. <laughs> like everything is being stripped away from me. Everything is being taken. Every friend I feel like is like leaving. Things are chaotic. My emotions are like out of whack right now. I'm like not well. I'm like the man at the pool, lame, just like sitting there. And it's like, wow, the world is out to get me. And I was probably like this negative, kind of probably pessimistic person that like no one wanted to be around. Um, that was like me two years ago, but also at the same time, I could be the super joyful Catholic kid. Um, and if you listen to my talk last year, it kind of like hinges off of this one when I was praying about this. I was like, this is kind of sweet. Um, essentially, like I encountered the Lord and I was living a life of prayer and sacraments and striving for life of virtue. But then I was just trying to be God of my own life. Um, I wanted I wanted to control everything. I was like a puppet ma- like puppeteer who was like, ooh, if like a friend does this and that's great, if I say this and this will happen. I was essentially just like manipulating everything. I wasn't living in freedom. I was living in shackles. Um, and I was reading this in a book um, last week. And it says, any life run on self, will, self-will can hardly be, be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-repulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased, and life would be so wonderful. Um, maybe like take a minute and think about, is there something in your life that you're like, if this wasn't here, life would just be so great. Does everyone have something that they can relate to? Just maybe like take five seconds and it's like, wow, if I didn't have this like massive boulder, life would just be so wonderful. Yeah, I think, yeah. Two years ago, that, that was like me. I'm like, wow, if this friend would do this, life would just be so easy. Or if like I just like wasn't in college anymore, life would just be like so great. Um, reality check, life after college is way harder <laughs> than you think. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to be the god of my own life. I wanted to control everything. Um, and we're not called to live a sucky life. Um, in, in the Gospel of John, John 10, 10, like, he's like, I have come. Um, gosh, I'm totally blanking right now. I have come that you may like live life abundantly. Like he promises abundance. That's that's the promise. Like we're not called to like live this like sucky life. It's not the gospel of suck, but it's the gospel of joy. It's the gospel of freedom. Um, and one of my favorite um, passages um, is is the first John, the first letter of John. And in one John four, he says, "We have seen and testify." that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So we know and believe the love God has for us. 
God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Like, it's right there. Like, the Savior of the world is not Sabrina Granada. And the Savior of the world, although he's my best friend, is not Father Dan Murs. Um, the Savior is Jesus. And, like, that's the gospel truth. Um, it's like Jesus, like, fully human, fully divine, sent by God the Father into the world to redeem all to bring freedom into all, to heal all, to restore all, to make us whole, to expose our holes and to make us whole. And I'm going to get into that point in a second. But it's like, do we believe that truth? Like how often do we wake up and like think that like, yeah, Jesus is the savior of the world. And if I like let go and let him be God, I'll be taken care of. Like, do we believe this truth? Or are we simply saying that we believe this truth? And when we say that we believe this truth, there's a response and it's like a yes or no. It's like, you can either walk away like some of the disciples or you can make him the center of your life. But then like the follow-up question is, is he actually the center of your life? Like, or we put a million priorities above him. And if he's like the center of your life, then we have nothing to worry about. Or is he only part of it? And to be honest, like I want to say he's the center of my life, but he's not. (laughs) He's not. I, I wish he could be. Um, I'm not going to be like, I'm this like saint up here, but like, yeah, there's a lot of things that like I still prioritize above like the Lord and I like, I'll wake up and, and my first thought isn't Jesus, but my first thought is what I have to do today. My first thought is like this like stress, stressor moment that I had last night. Um, but he doesn't desire to just be part of our life. He desires to be our whole life and he desires to be our whole heart. And so will we let him? And what does that look like? So this begs the question of how do we grow in intimacy with Jesus? How do we grow in divine intimacy with, with the creator of the world? Um, yeah, I think that's, there's a slide. Oh, there's another slide. Is he the center of everything? Um, how, do we, how do we love Jesus? Like he loves us, but how do we love him in return? Because it's a relationship. It's a human. He's not just like this like person. No, he is a person. He's not just like an object, a chair. He's like a person who desires to be loved as well. Um, he doesn't need our love, but if he's a person and we're in a relationship with him, we should be growing in love for him. So how, how do we love Jesus? Um, also in the Gospel of John, 1 John, not the Gospel, the letter. The letter of 1 John says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Um, a friend recently sent me a thank you note, and he actually included this, this verse in it. And I was just like, I chuckled to myself. Um, his love is perfected in us. When we allow God to encounter us, when we allow him to abide in us, he perfects our love. But what does that include? It includes a purification process. It includes fire. It includes some suffering, and it includes the cross. Um, and I, I know that we're always like, oh my gosh, love Jesus, like love him through the cross. But like, that's the truth. <laughs> and I don't like, I don't want to like, just like, I want to rip bandages off. Yeah. I don't want to like sugarcoat it. But like the truth to loving Jesus is, is learning to love his cross. Um, and consoling the heart of Jesus. Um, it's, it's a book by Father Michael Gately. It's a, it's a weekend retreat. I highly recommend it. I did it last December. Um, it's like a silent retreat. He talks about how when Jesus is up on the cross, he says, Behold this heart that loves so much, yet is little loved. Behold this heart that loves so much, yet is little loved. And all Jesus desires when he's up on the cross, he just desires a friend. Like everyone else left him. He just desires someone to sit there 
and console his heart. But to be up there on the cross with Jesus means that like we also need to encounter the cross in our own lives. Guess what? The cross sucks. I'm not going to like say it's like the best thing in the world. Um, I wish I could say that I have learned to love the crosses that I get to carry. But again, I'm not St. Therese, but she did. Um, so in this book, how often do we run away from the cross? How many eloquent reasons there are to love the cross, yet how we forget them in the current of life. In our days, how many plans we make, little calculations, very often unconscious, I must say, which are made simply to avoid suffering. We flee it in the first moment of our nature, which finds it so repugnant, and we must not be astonished by that. We surprise ourselves. Wait, I've made this little plan. Why? Fundamentally, it was to avoid an annoyance, a humiliation. So maybe think about like a time in your day that like you make some like you you do something very intentionally to avoid suffering. Or you do something like very intentionally to like amputate suffering. I learned that in a I heard that in a podcast by one of the CFRs, and we're talking about how like if you're in a conflict with a friend, how easy it is to just be like, yeah, actually I'm just gonna cut them out of my life. It'd just be so much easier. I wouldn't have to suffer. It wouldn't hurt. And we just like amputate. We just like cut off suffering from our lives. How often do we run away from the cross when like that actually is the opportunity to love Jesus even more, is in the crosses that he gives us. Um, St. Therese goes on to say, or this author does, why? Like what do we, what do we earn from, from being stripped? What do we earn from, from letting go of, of things? Do you will to accept a thorn from my own crown, stained with my blood, do you will to accept a particle of my cross? It is in love that I offer it to you. It is in love that I give it to you. It is in love that I impose it upon you. If you accept with joy this gift of my wounded heart, you permit me to shower my graces upon you. You permit me to shower my graces upon you. Like if we accept the cross, like how like 2,000 fold will he like provide joy in our lives? If we learn to accept the cross, like grace upon grace will be poured forth from us. Like that promise of like abundant life will occur. The promise of the joy of the resurrection will happen. So when we accept the crosses in our lives, we allow our hearts to be opened up to receive those graces. So what does this look like? I know I just threw a lot at you, and that's like totally okay. Um, that was kind of like my own prayer for, for around a couple of years now that I'm still wrestling with. And so now I want to dive into like practicalities of how do we love Jesus? How do we allow ourselves to be stripped away? Um, and so I took this class last spring called Reform Wellness. Um, it is an online course. Um, the aesthetic is really great. I was one of about two men that did it. It's me and Father Innocent, um, essentially. And um, yeah, I recommend it, minus the price tag that's attached to it. But I think they might have scholarships. Um, but it's a 12-week course. Um, and essentially, they have nine different pillars. Um, this founder, Jackie Mulligan, they're not paying me to say this, but Jackie Mulligan, um, she essentially was like, I'm doing all these things, yet I'm still not like finding like fulfillment. Like I'm still not at peace. I'm still not happy. Like what am I doing wrong? So she launched this course with the CFRs essentially that has nine different pillars. Um, and they walk through each one with faith, play, nutrition, sleep, stress management, community, personal growth, space, and functional movement. Um, and so now they get to teach people in all these pillars. Um, help them to like really reorient their lives from self-reliant to God-reliant is really like their whole aspect. So I've identified three kind of pillars that I think that really like plague college students um, that prevent us from being whole. 
And so they talk about this holy, holy, holy approach, which I was talking about with some friends last night. Um, first, we must be holy. The one on the far left, H-O-L-E-Y. We must allow God to expose our holes. And isn't that fun? Um, yeah, do we give God permission to expose our weaknesses, to expose our faults, to expose our imperfections? Do we allow the holes like Swiss cheese to be like out in the open? Do we allow the wounds to be uncovered? Um, these are all like really scary things. And I think it takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of honesty in prayer. Um, so yeah, when you go to prayer, are you being honest like with how you're feeling? Are you being honest with the Lord, like with where you're at? Are you like trying to cover up and be like, yeah, like everything's fine, but like deep down, like there's a, a large insecurity or a large resentment that like is building up. Like do we allow ourselves to be completely exposed in front of our Lord and be whole filled? Um, is when we allow our holes to be exposed, then we can become holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, through Jesus. It's only Jesus who can fulfill those holes. Um, once we allow the, the thing that was trying to fill this hole, whether it be like affirmation from a friend or um, whether it be um, an addiction or whether it be um, like extreme independence, whether it be, um, I'm trying to think of other things that, drunkenness, other things that like as humans in our, in our human broken nature that we allow to fulfill these holes, when we expose them and cast them away, do we allow the one person, Jesus, who can actually fulfill those holes? And will we allow ourselves to be made whole? And through being made whole, we become holy, H-O-L-Y. Holy, I believe, don't quote me, but means to be set apart. And it's by our baptism that we're all holy. Um, but through this process, we're actually able to walk further in holiness with Jesus and ultimately further in intimacy and further in learning how to love him. Does everyone kind of follow me with where I'm at? I feel like I'm kind of all over the place, but sweet. So I have identified three different things I think college students really struggle with um, and, and fail at to like really just like be made whole. First one is sleep. Be honest. How many of you get seven and a half to nine hours of sleep a night? Honestly, good for you. Be honest with yourself. Sweet. Yeah. So that's tough. You always hear like the, the eight hours. When I was a freshman in high school, I was going to bed at four, waking up at five. No, not five. Oh my gosh. Waking up at like maybe like eight or nine. Like I was like not sleeping and it was like becoming a massive problem. Um, so through, um, reform, and this is a lot like scientific based stuff. So I'm not just like pulling this out and just being like, huh, but we should be getting seven and a half hours to nine hours of sleep a night. Um, that's like the biggest, that is the biggest thing. Our bodies need to rest and our bodies like need to refuel. Um, we cannot like not take care of our bodies because if we're not taking care of our bodies, we actually can't love people well. And ultimately we can't love Jesus well if we're not taking care of our bodies. Um, also, a consistent bedtime. This is where, like, if you want to get something on to write stuff down, but none of this will be on the slide. Consistent bedtime. Um, maybe think about, like, throughout the course of your week, like, how often is it fluctuating? Is it, like, 8 o'clock here on one night because you went out the night before and you're gassed, and then it's, like, midnight the next night, and then it's, like, all over the place? Or is it consistent? Um, reform, like, I go to bed, like, at 10, 10 30. Like 11 o'clock is like my hard deadline. And I try like my best to stick to it. Obviously, like stuff comes up and like that's totally fine. And like sometimes things are really fun. And it's like, yeah, you want to go out. Um, so I'm gonna get kind of like how we can manage some of that. So consistent bedtime. Um <laughs> how many of you wake between the hours of two and four a.m.? Anyone in the room do that? Uh-huh. Did I just blow your mind? Yeah, if you're waking between the hours of 2 and 4 a.m., it's a dead sure sign that you're stressed. Like, dead sure sign that, like, you 
are stressed. If you're waking up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you shouldn't be doing that either. It's like your body essentially has to like wake itself up because it doesn't have enough fuel like in the gas tank to get through the sleep cycle at night. My mind was like blown when I learned this. And because I always wake up at the hour of 3 a.m., which is like the witching hour, like kind of like this, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so holy. Father Paul, you need to come bless my apartment. No, she was, I was freaking stressed out. Like she said that, I was like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it's a sure sign, like dead sure sign that like you're stressed. Um, avoiding emotional conversations before bed. Who all loves that night retreat and everyone stays up to share their hearts? Yeah, we shouldn't be doing that actually. <laughs> like when we have like really hard emotional conversations before bed or conversations about conflict or really like just like difficult things to grasp, like your body like doesn't process it. And it like, it keeps you up at night. And like, it keeps me up at night. And I'm like, I've, so I've had to stop saying no. I'm like, actually, I need to do this like at 2 p.m. Because I actually can't do this late at night. Um, if it takes me more than 15 minutes to fall asleep, like another sign that like you're sure stressed. Like we should be falling asleep within 15 minutes. And if we can actually make it to bed before midnight, the hours before midnight are almost like two for one. So like BOGOs. So it's like, if you get one hour or two hours of sleep, like before midnight, then you actually like your body's giving you like four hours of sleep. So you're actually like getting replenished further. And then they go on to say that between the hours of one and 3 a.m. is actually where rest, detoxification, healing takes place in the brain. So like those hours like are essential that like we should be asleep. Um, and I think like one of my favorite things that she also talked about, and I'm terrible at it too. Um, I think we probably all are. But our first and last hour of the day should be, be reserved for God. Um, I've tweaked it a little bit. It's not practical for me to do that. So I kind of do like first and like first and last, like half hour if I can. Um, so like, are we off our phone? Like we all know that screens, we shouldn't be on our screens before bed. Um, are we like taking time for prayer? Are we like doing an exam? Are we starting our day like with a morning offering? Um, are we like allowing ourselves to give our first and last hour of our day to the Lord. And that's something, like, I think some of this stuff is like wild, like blew my mind. So it's like some of like the sleep stuff. Um, so a lot, a lot of times you're tapping like quality of sleep. Um, but I think the biggest things, like the biggest takeaways are like consistent bedtimes, like off your phone, giving at least like 30 to, to an hour before bed and in the morning um, for, for the Lord um, and, not, and not plaguing yourself with social media. Um, and there's finding time to rest. Like the Sabbath is like built for us. How many of you do homework on Sundays? Those people? Yeah, my senior year, I committed to myself that I was actually going to do homework on Saturday. So on Sundays, I could like go have fun and like rest and do life-giving activities. And it was probably like one of the best decisions that I made. So I would like crank out stuff on Saturday. So then I was actually better able to Sabbath. I just made that a verb on Sunday. Um, but it's like, that's the Lord's day. And like, we're made for the Sabbath. We're made for rest. We're made for like life and joy. That's a little bit about sleep. And again, I can like answer any questions too, because I'm not going to cover everything. Stress management. Um, what is stress? What does this thing say stress is? Um, what does it say? It's a perceived threat. It's actually not a real thing. Um, it's like when like think of like a danger and like how your body jumps into fight or flight. That's essentially what stress is. It's a perceived threat to like our natural like rhythm of things. Um, and this is where they really blew my mind. Um, and when they were talking about stress, they talked about, let me check this time, they talked about um, the stress response and how we become addicted to the stress response. And I was like, I'm addicted to stress, excuse me, like what? Like out of all things I'm addicted to, stress is the one. Um, yeah, because when our bodies like encounter stress, 
the the hormone cortisol is released i've got like med students in the back so i feel like i'm getting like literally like gonna get fired after this um but our bodies like release cortisol um and essentially it's like it's just like adrenaline rush like i don't know about you but like sometimes i kind of like live for stressful moments like i don't know why but like i worked at a summer camp and like and those people know but like you're like going but like you're so stressed out but like you live for those moments or like during like retreat week everyone's like we gotta stay up like we gotta be super stressed super tired like it's retreat week and we're all like living for it it's like we're not meant to live in stress like our bodies can handle like small amounts of stress at a time but like we're not meant to be in stress forever but why we like live for those moments if you can relate is because we have this like addiction to stress like the same way that like we, um, other like addictions, so like dopamine, um, like lust or alcohol, we get this like dopamine high, like our bodies like crave stress more and more. And like, we get addicted to this like whole response that we get. Isn't that insane? I was like, what? Um, yeah, we like live and I could go, like, this whole thing about the nervous system, I could live in that, that's just gonna confuse everyone and confuse myself. I'm um, just so, like, Ryan, great. How do we like not be stressed out? Thank you for like doing all these things. Um, you just like, um, how do we, how do we, how do we manage your stress? Are we planning out our weeks? On Sundays, I started, um, I had this like planner. There's called the, what is it called? Um, the monk, the monk manual. The monk manual is a great one. Um, and it really like breaks down weeks, months, and days, but it allows you to really like plan out your day in your week. So like on Sunday nights, I sit down for about 30 minutes and I plan on my week, my goals, my gratitudes, the things that I desire to encounter that week, my priorities, my tasks. And then actually the day before, so the night before I leave work, I've started planning out my days and like, what are my main things I have to get done? Um, what things can be pushed off to another day? Um, not everything has to get done at once. So planning out our days, planning out our weeks, that's going to be the biggest thing to help manage stress. Saying the word no, how many of us like to say no to people? Really? Claire Campbell? Praise God. Um, they said, if your yes isn't 100%, it's a no. If it's not 100% a yes, it's a no. Um, and actually, I think I would rather receive a no on my end than have a half yes. This half yeses cause me to resent. Like if I get a half yes from someone and then it's like not getting done, and like I, I get angry, I get resentful, and that's like my own heart, my own brokenness. But I'd almost rather just be like, yeah, actually, no, I can't take that on right now. And I'd be like, sweet, I'll find someone else. Um, so yeah, when we, when we get presented options, if it's not a full yes, it's a no. I'm um, learning to say no is really difficult. I still really struggle with it, um, but that's kind of the truth. Um, they talked about prioritizing the most important tasks by 11 a.m. So if you can get the most important things done by 11 a.m., um, then it actually frees up the rest of your day. You're not worrying or stressing about the big things that are going on in the day, but it's already done behind you. So by the time that you get to mass at noon, all the big things you had to get done that day are already done. Like it just like lightens the load and makes things so much easier. And then they talked a lot about this thing called a wellness bank account. And I actually think this goes for all these pillars and just goes for like a whole like balanced life. But um, think about like your own bank account, your own finances, withdrawals and deposits. So thinking about it at night when you're doing like a daily exam, thinking about what was the deposit that day and what was the withdrawal that day. So deposits, like good conversations with friends, um, getting like a really like, having a very like productive day at work, going on a walk, finding time for prayer, um, calling your mom, 
um, things that like are really good and life-giving would go in the deposits category. And then going through your day and like, what's the withdrawal? Having a ton of schoolwork, um, making it to late on, like making it to class like late, um, missed my alarm, um, went out the night before, stayed up too late, um, a really tough conversation with a friend. Um, all the things that deplete us would be in the withdrawal category. And essentially it's like, how do we find the balance and how do we understand what's in our deposit category and how do we understand what's in, a, in our withdrawal category? So when we come to make decisions about what we can give ourselves to, we're able to be like, actually, I can't do that. So like in a, a great example I think would be in the terms of like sleep. So if I like got a really good night to rest before, I have a lot of stuff in my deposits category and it's a Thursday night and someone asks, like wants to go out and have a drink. Um, for those of us who are 21, and it might be, I might be staying up until like 1130 or midnight. It's like, yeah, I got a good night's sleep. I feel really well rested. I feel like I'm able to give. Um, so yeah, I, I can say yes to that because um, I, I have enough deposits um, to, to give that. But if I didn't, I'd say, I would say no. But also on the reverse, then I have to know what's going to be the withdrawal the next day. I'm, I'm going to have little sleep. I'm going to be tired. So like, how do they all balance out? Does that make sense? This withdrawal and deposit. I think it's really interesting. So maybe think about that in your own life. Um, sweet, we're running, we're running quick on time. Can you shut those doors, Ben? Awesome. The last thing I want to talk about is space. Um, space and personal growth. What do I have to say about this? We're going to find out. I think this sums it up. Will we give God permission to be God in our life? Where do we like fear solitude? And like, where are we like, just like holding on to like all these things and not letting the Lord like take them away from us out of fear that it's going to like make a hole in our heart. I want to share a quick story with you all from last spring. Um, this really talks about how we need to, to allow the Lord to um, come into our heart and, and clean house. Um, that he's asking us to let go of things that we're holding on to. So this um, was during the Holy Spirit seminar here at Newman. I was here with the a couple of friends of mine, male friends of mine, and, and we were there and we got prayed over and, and the, the entire night was great. So, I mean, it was beautiful to be prayed over, but it was after the fact. Um, after the praise worship had ended, I was sitting down and, and this woman came up came up to me. She said, hi, my name is Bethany. This is this is my husband and um, this is this is my son, Eli. And then Eli is like, hi, I'm Eli. And he's like, prepubescent voice. And I was like, okay, hello. But she's like, Ryan, like, and she didn't know my name, but she's like, can I, can I pray over you? I felt called to pray over you. Um, during during praise and worship, I said absolutely. Um, I, I'd love to receive that. I'm in a season of receiving, and so I'd love to be prayed over. And so she just she prayed over me, and, and, and y'all, she like she spoke things into my heart, into my life that um, it had to be from the Lord. Um, she was just like Ryan, like I just I see that like your heart is so dry and it's so arid and it's so cracked. Um, but it's like through those cracks and through those bruises and just through. The pain that your heart is in right now, that the Lord's mercy and his love can fill you up even more. And she's like, ah, Ryan, just, like, just let go. She's like, I see the bitterness. I see the resentment. I see the anger. I see everything that um, you're holding on to. And she was just like, Ryan, will you learn to let go and let God be God of your life? It's going to be messy. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, his mercy and his love is going to flood your life. And it is going to just be this massive, muddy mess. And every root of every wound is going to be rooted out of your heart and tossed aside. Will you let go? And will you let God fill that part of your heart? 
And I'm, I'm just like sitting there like sobbing. And these poor men next to me are like, what is probably going on to this man? Um, and afterwards she, she got up and she and her family left and they just, and they left the Catholic space. And I was like, whoa, hold on. You just like, can't do that to someone. I was like, you can't just like pray, wreck someone and then get up and leave. Um, that's exactly what she did. I walked out into the gathering space afterwards and, and she and her family were just, um, were just walking out the door. And to this day, I've never seen Bethany again. Um, and I've gone searching for, um, but I also like pulled back on that search because ultimately she allowed me to have an encounter with the Lord. And immediately, what did I do? I wanted to make Bethany the God of my life. But Bethany is not the Lord of my life. It is God. It is Jesus Christ who is the Lord of my life. And so I've taken that encounter and I've just allowed that encounter to be with me and serve me in prayer. So my friends, I just encourage you, like, what are you holding on to so desperately and so tightly that's causing you pain? And really allow the Lord, his love and his mercy to wash over you and to allow it to become a muddy mess so that he may drop ever closer to you. I, I want to end um, our time together with this, with this quote from C.S. Lewis. Um, I, I saw this in my reform book one morning, and I was, I was just sitting there, and I, I read it, and then I'm just, like, weeping. And it's, like, 7.30 in the morning, and I, I texted it to one of my good guy friends, and I was like, this, this, this is awesome. And so I want to end our time together by, by sharing that with you all. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He is getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you were not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live in it himself. So through wrap our time, but my prayer for you is that you will just find freedom through Jesus. That you allow your heart to be stripped of all the things that are not of him. That you will allow Jesus to rightly order your loves so that he may be at the center of your life, not what people think of you, not um, your academics, not um, your friends, but that you will allow the Lord to be at the center of your life, because it is only through him that we can find full freedom, and it is only through Jesus that we can be made whole and be made well. Mm-hmm.